0: So, Lisa went to Trans-Siberian Orchestra last night, and so
1: did Nick. Cool. Yeah. yeah.
2: Awesome.
1: What did you think of it, Lisa?
2: Oh, uh, I thought it was good.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's our I, third I time going. I gone.
2: expected more, uh, you know how they do the Christmas lights up to music? Uh-huh. I expected a little more of that with the lasers. Yeah. Also, I felt the display. We were all the way up at the top of a row, like mm-hmm. in 137 in the wheelchair section there. Yeah. So, um, I, I had a little trouble seeing and there were new, no, there would be no glasses that would make it easier for me to see all those little displays up there. Yeah. I felt one, maybe if they had occasionally gone to one big screen instead of all the little screens, Yeah, because that was the only way I saw Bill Burr. Otherwise I wouldn't have, Well, see
1: that's how that's how a lot of the newer bands do it now. They have one big screen, and then they can put whatever they want up there. Their their shows a little more old school, where it's got smaller screens all over the place. But uh, but yeah, I mean it was
2: yeah yeah they switched it out a little once.
1: Yeah, I I I agree with you.
2: You know, but they switch up their show every year, so maybe they'll catch up next year. I was uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, my, uh, My my my. My date <laughs> <Felicia>. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, next year Philip is gonna go because I think he really would like it. Yeah. It's basically yeah, I, I took, a concert with lasers.
1: I took some video, Phil. I'll show them via to tomorrow. All right.
2: Yeah, Felicia's gonna send video as well.
1: Santa Claus yeah. do a flyover or anything? No, yeah. no, but they, you know, at one was- point you had flames going. We were so close to the stage oh, you could actually feel the heat from it. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: We could feel oh. the heat from the yeah. one in the back. Whenever mm-hmm. they did, it was wonderful because we were kind of cold.
0: That would be kind of <laughs> disturbing, I think, you know?
2: Now, <laughs> do they have any bathroom access down there? Or do you guys have to, did you have to go all the way up that what, staircase?
1: What was
3: the venue?
2: Uh, it
1: was at, at which, yeah, at Heritage uh, Bank, which used to be uh, U.S. Bank, where the Cyclones play. Coliseum. Riverfront Coliseum. Coliseum. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to remember the old name. Right.
2: I still use that name. But then I still yeah. go to Gold Circle Mall. So, you know.
3: <laughs> it hurts yeah, my heart yeah. that people don't remember
1: the old name automatically. <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> little
3: yeah, sad.
1: but it, it was a nice venue. Now, there were bathrooms all the way on the bottom, all the way in the back. They said that there was an aisleway that went back and supposedly there were some bathrooms back there.
2: Okay. I know there's no vending down there.
1: Yeah, it's- I think the seats that they, because it was like folding chairs they put on the floor. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure those chairs were from when the place was originally built. Probably. Because there's like real heavy, uh, like n- not even aluminum, they're probably actual like steel. <laughs> and then they were, uh, mm-hmm. they had like the, the padding on the seats were pretty much non existent. So mm-hmm. my tailbone was hurting through the majority of it, I had to keep shifting around. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, next time you know if you get those kinds of tickets. Yeah. But I yeah. I couldn't get down there anyway. I asked about it, and yeah. uh, our our um. Uh, oh oh, guess who our uh, seat guy was? Same guy. Same guy.
0: Oh yeah, I know. That guy was cool.
2: Um yeah, so um, this is the same guy we talked to on the during the Bill Butter concert.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, the uh, usher.
0: I'm sure he recognized yeah, you immediately. He did. Kind of hard to miss you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I'm I'm special. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it was the same guy and he said that um that there was no way to get a wheelchair down to the that floor level.
3: Yeah, well there's one way, but it's not very
2: close. Right, yeah. well it would be it would be, you know, trying to get, to get in the chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> what?
1: No, no way safe down. way to get you down. <laughs> no.
2: no and, and quite frankly, if I was walking, I would not walk those steps. Yeah. I barely made it to our seats at Great American Ball at, at uh, Great American Riverfront.
4: Ball oh, Riverfront. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay.
2: Great Americans, uh, the. the the steps aren't quite as errant Aaron, for Aaron's sake. Great American, the steps aren't quite as uh, steep as they were at Riverfront.
0: Oh, I would take exception to that. Up, in yeah. the, up at the upper deck, which well, I never, I, I never get seats deck. in the
1: upper deck at yeah. GABP. But when you, do yeah, that, the very I, upper deck is pretty steep. Yeah. I sat there once. I'll never sit up there again. <laughs> right. No, I usually I'm- like really high seats if they're
3: right behind the plate. But I haven't been to the upper deck of GABP. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: have you been to gabp
3: yeah he went i want that one opening day we we did bop around three or four places
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
3: until Uh-oh. we finally uh, finally surrendered to our own seats wherever they were
0: yeah so billy joel and stevie nicks are coming so we were thinking about maybe doing that and then also mm-hmm. pink is coming i don't know oh wow um, that sounds awesome
2: expensive for, <laughs> for our wallets for our current, <laughs> I think
1: pink would
0: be good just for the aerial
1: show. Yeah, that she does. You just yeah. got to make sure you got your ears plugged up pretty good so they don't start bleeding. Yeah, I guess
2: so. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. What are we listening to today?
1: We get we get that enough Bagot, with uh, Mariah Carey singing no. her Christmas stuff. Chaos
2: and <laughs> chaos and infant. We got enough babies crying with the neighbors upstairs. They have. <laughs>
1: We're
2: pretty sure the baby has it too. Poor thing.
3: How <laughs> The earth is uh-huh. pregnant for uh-huh. the third time. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Welcome once again, listeners, to get a uh-huh with Lisa and Phil and our frequent flyer co-host Aaron, who's coming in from Thousand Oaks, California. Boy, want to know?
3: <laughs> Can you get to that? Yep. Yeah. And you-
2: this week we are once again welcoming Nick. And uh, and we are going to be talking about... Uh,
3: Maggot Brain
0: by Funkadelic. Hell keep, yeah. We're oh, talking. I
2: knew the Funkadelic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, keep in mind that to this day, I still listen to the oldie station in Cincinnati. Mind you, I cry because now it has Madonna and Prince on it. But still,
0: <laughs> well, this, this I listen is to
2: that, the oldie station.
0: This would qualify for the oldie station. This
3: album's from 1971. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. older than Madonna and Prince.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as my dad Prince. once put it, if you think it's sad when the oldie station starts playing your music,
3: wait until the elevator. Wait to. until
2: they stop.
3: Oh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. so but
2: then you really feel old,
0: Aaron. I think it's only appropriate. This is another edition of Aaron's Audio Audibles. By the way, it's not that I'd never heard anything by Funkadelic, yeah. but I definitely had never heard full album or I really don't think I'd heard a track off the album until Aaron presented it as a possibility. So Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about, but you know, I like to start a little bit with a background of the band, you know, just a little bit for context.
3: Okay. So this is, uh, I believe the third album from Funkadelic. Um, it would be the last one to have most of the people in this lineup, uh, mostly because, uh, George wasn't paying people. And another guy uh, got into allegedly an acid eating contest and uh, never performed again. <clears throat> but yeah, the the tracks—they're the album's best known for the ten-minute opening track, um, the Eddie Hazel guitar piece called "Maggot Brain," which was also Eddie's nickname in the band. So, uh, yeah, start just jump right into it. What did you guys think of the, the opening track?
1: Guys? I thought it was good. I mean, it was. Uh, it, they were. Uh, you definitely showed the the talent of the band. I mean, it was it was really good. I liked it.
0: I I thought the guitar playing was outstanding. Um, I know that uh, Hazel was a big Jimi Hendrix fan, right?
3: Yeah. So yeah. So George and Eddie were on acid, and George George told Eddie to play like someone had just told him his mother died.
0: Right, that was like, I saw that quoted everywhere I looked for this, but I felt like the song, you know, uh, it also reminded me a little bit, more so than Hendrix, a little bit more
3: of like old Pink Floyd, like yeah. David Gilmore type sound almost. You know, what it most reminds me of is a Frank Zappa song, Watermelon and Easter Hay. Mm-hmm. Which, um, this this actually came first, but it uh, just kind of the same, evokes the same feeling, I guess, more than anything. Mm-hmm and they're both mostly a guitar solo with a just little kind of thing going around it over. Right. Yeah. Maybe Zappo was influenced by it a bit. Maybe.
1: Yeah.
3: I always wondered if Frank and George ever collaborated on anything.
0: I certainly don't know anything about chord progressions, but I read that, uh, the succession of major and minor chords was unique in this song that it's it really before this album really was un, kind of unprecedented um, I, and I guess they were trying to say that it was d- a dynamic range of chords or something but that was I'm paraphrasing uh, Hazel himself I think when I said that or maybe maybe it was George but so just a tremendous I mean, the recording that I listened to sounded you know showed its age. When I had my earbuds in and listened to it, it sounded best. When there was when I played it over my Soundcore Flare, <laughs> um the the space kind of degraded it, you know. Uh, I played it pretty loud, but you could still hear. I felt like there was some uh yeah,
3: there's there's a lot of stereo headphone stuff going on. It's it's it's, it's right. Best, best heard in headphones.
0: Yeah, but uh, over the air it sounded kind of incongruous, like some of that shit wasn't intended like there were some production issues with the with the album. If unless it was something on the, the version I was listening to that was unique. But let's play uh let's play a little bit of this uh shredder here. Yeah, I mean, that, that a small sample, but I felt like that kind of showed, you know, what you're buying into with that song.
2: If I may, George Clinton once said every black musician should listen to Frank Zappa.
0: There you go. Excellent. There we go. Yeah. yeah. In
2: 2002, George Clinton... Oh, in... On Funkadelic's Alice in My Fantasies, the lyrics goes as follows. Mama said, never eat the yellow snow. In 02, he used intro horn vamp from I'm the Slime during a show at the Electronic Music Fest in Detroit. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm assuming that I'm the Slime is a Zappa tune?
3: Yeah, it's a Zappa tune. Okay, thought so. Um I'd like to do Joe's Garage on one of these, but I don't want to do anything that's more than a single album and that's a triple album.
4: Oh yeah. um, wow.
3: <laughs> right. Like that that other one we're looking at. Even I don't want to do that to you. Yeah.
0: But, even though there's eight tracks or a minute or right about a minute of the next one we're gonna do, there's still eighteen or nineteen tracks on that album. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of getting to the Yeah. Well it's a lot of like little little medleys. Yeah. So I won't reveal what that is, but but yeah, that, that, that was a. I thought it was interesting to open the album with a song like that. That definitely seems like something
3: that would close an album, almost. Yeah, except for the, this album closes with the what I would call the perfect freakout. Yeah, <laughs> Wars of Armageddon.
0: Wars of Armageddon. Yeah, which which has more. There's more background. Some of the stuff you were talking
3: about with the babies crying in the background. Yeah, that's that's the one with the crying baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It kind of sounded like all of them had a crying baby.
3: That one was only 9 minutes, 42 seconds. So this one was 10.21. Oh, wow. They're both around 10 minutes. The book You
2: mean the was. whole album or the song?
3: Maggot Brain was 10.21 and Wars of Armageddon was 9.42, the songs.
2: Okay. Yeah. All so, the other
3: songs are like three minutes. Okay. Super yeah. Stupids yeah.
2: 4.01. So really, I mean, even though it's got less songs on the album, it's got just as much music.
3: It's about what thirty some odd minutes, probably. Yeah.
0: Thirty-seven out. minutes, I think. That's also okay. over half of it is two songs, and fifty
3: 30,
0: fifty-three seven songs.
2: Now, Nick, are you traditionally an album listener or a song person?
1: Uh, it depends. I mean, I started out mostly like if I bought, if I got into a band, I would buy full albums uh but lately with the way a lot of bands just don't put out full albums anymore they just do singles at a time mm-hmm. uh but if i find a song i like enough i will typically just get download the whole album
3: yeah. the music industry changed and you know it's the delivery's not the same as it used to be
2: and i, I think younger people hunt albums and have um have discovered vinyl uh because of that
3: yeah, Those and older people, older people get back loud. into vinyl too. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know what I thought was interesting about Clinton? I read, I read a little bit. He started out as a barber. He had like a barber shop, or he either had a barber shop, worked in a barbershop, shop, or hung out in a barbershop. shop, and that's kind of where the band originated. Did not know it's that. It's not
2: an uncommon thing mm, in black yeah. culture,
0: and they became like a doo-wop band mm-hmm. originally. Was that, they, was that the Parliament's? He, Yes, yes, the par- yes, the parliaments, right, right, so yeah, we're talking about a different we were trying to break there, were parts, the there were two parts there are two bands, two entirely different bands at one point, but
2: right, right,
3: um, but
2: uh, you they know running consecutively or
3: post on the, the, I think the parliaments were his first band, and mm-hmm. um, somebody thought they were like too much like the temptations, right and Which and then he he changed he he just did a tilt and t- changed to funkadelic. And he then created, when funk, Funkadelic died out, he brought up a, a new band, not the Parliament's, but Parliament. And then right. after a certain point, he he combined them as P Funk Parliament Funkadelic.
2: Now, when did uh, Bootsy Collins join well, it?
3: Later, but Phil was back in the barbershop.
0: Yeah, back in the barbershop. So mm-hmm. a lot of things, uh, you know, coming to America as a scene in a barbershop. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: a yeah. lot of a lot of things the kind of organically grew. It, it, of you news. know. A lot of wasn't
3: um, wasn't there like an Ice Cube barbershop movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the
0: the the band they eventually evolved. They they opened or they played the Apollo. You know they were doing this doo wop music. They and they actually headlined uh, Mm -hmm. a bill that was with the Temptations, the Impressions, and the OJ's. So that was I, I, I thought all that stuff was interesting because. Even today, he's, like, totally evolving. Not, now he's involved with, like, uh, Kendrick Lamar and rappers and stuff like that. So just mm-hmm. to give you an idea of, of where it originated. One one time...
2: George Clinton, Yeah. He's still alive? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was dead. No. Never mind.
0: Um, one time I went... Uh, I, I got a job at Bean mm-hmm. and it was a Sunday afternoon. I was going to go in for my interview the next day, and there was no barbershops open except one up in Pleasant Ridge. And... Uh, <clears throat> It was it was really kinda of hidden from the road and I went back in there and Lisa sat in the car while I went in there to get my um get my uh, haircut and uh it seemed like very much like one of those barber shops that maybe
2: Yeah, with the guy sitting around just hanging out.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It was like but it was i think it was really intimidated because we might have been the only caucasians in the area
0: right and they, they
2: in the barber shop
0: the two guys that were doing my haircut had the sheepish uh, smile on their face the whole time like they couldn't believe i walked in there and got a haircut but i got a number mm-hmm. 2 got it all shaved off yeah anyway um, i thought you that's I, pretty short i sure. frankly
2: like him with a little more hair personally because I feel when he first gets that, you know, number two, it, I don't find Hank Hill all that attractive.
0: No, I don't. The number two isn't very good for me, I guess. But all right, so enough enough of that. I just thought a little bit of background on how they originated yeah. would, would be good. But
2: absolutely, yeah.
0: Um,
2: oh, by the way, you misspelled. Oh, in some of it, it's funkadelic is spelled with an O.
0: Oh well, it's a typo. I was typing on my okay. phone, so yeah, I got it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, hit the, the next song in the album is a little bit more conventional, and it happens to be my favorite song in the album. I think it's just awesome. I really loved uh, Can you get to that? Yeah, it's a great one. Right. The opening chords reminds me uh, a little bit of "She Talks to Angels." Black crows. Black crows. Black crows. Black crows. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. Op- but just the first few chords. I mean, it 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 really kicks in. Becomes a a really kind of an uplifting song I think uh which yeah. kind of i like board.
3: i like the way it builds right there at the beginning it's got the doo yeah. doo, and then the guitar just kind of just goes into a different yeah, uh, yeah that's a- you wanna you want to play a little of that one yeah queed up yeah, you think, you know? yeah.
4: yeah. I the used but you a Separation and flu everything we had. Show no credit. Can your in days ago? you sign with love and kisses, made a comeback. sign in sufficient Can you get it? I wanna know if you can get it
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I can hear that. <laughs> I can hear the similarities in that
0: film. Yeah. To the Black Crows?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I was mostly referring to just that beginning part that Aaron was talking about, that tradition, you know.
2: Maybe the Black
0: Crows. Could be. You know, you see, you hear things. I'm
2: assuming the Black Crows came after.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were 80s. I'm sure that they, you know, probably fans you know, it's uh, Black crows are probably fans of funkadelic. I would imagine, just based on the, you know, the the, style. Yeah, yeah, it's,
3: so it's kind of a kind of a gospel vibe to that one, really.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a Sunday morning type. Especially,
3: thing. especially the yeah the last the part you played with the insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. When you, hit... <laughs> I forget how it, how it goes, but that's a gospel kind of phrasing there musically.
0: Right. It, it it's kind it. The lyric talks about
3: your checks with love and kiss.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you you know, you're, you're, you're building a a debt when you're young um, that you can't pay, you know, later in life in terms of, you know,
2: emotional, emotional versus,
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of financial.
2: (laughs) I know uh, when my parents were first married, Somehow, my dad got the idea um, that uh, they would cash checks in order, so he would write checks for things from the back of the book, thinking that they wouldn't cash it until later.
0: Oh yeah, they only cash it in sequence, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's...
2: yeah, I was like, yeah, I still, I still find it completely lacking that basic checking and savings is not part of like a required course before you graduate from high school. Savings, credit, and checking. Do you
0: feel like that would have helped you?
2: Yeah, it would have helped us <laughs>
0: yeah, if we'd had so. a
2: basic credit thing. Right. Yeah.
0: Being able to balance a book, balance so, a checkbook.
2: So that wasn't a problem. That's just adding and subtracting. But um things like knowing that they don't cash your checks in sequence. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um uh, right. you know. Yeah, and also um, knowing knowing how they calculate your credit, you know,
0: it'd be nice how to
2: have a better credit score coming right out of high school would have been, I think, beneficial to everyone. That, I mean, that's that's
0: nice in theory, but it's like mm-hmm. the people are out there try, with their hand yeah. in your wallet, trying to work mm-hmm. you for every dime you can get. Right, they're constantly inventing new ways to do that. So, yeah, you can't really. I mean, you could only. But, you could probably yeah. have a foundational uh, awareness or, or skepticism or something, uh, but uh, we lost Nick. Okay. You know, oh, I'm right um, here. Oh, okay. Sorry.
2: I mean, I know we're going off, off course, but You're but fine. even like, you know, the Funkadelics would have, you know, probably benefited from knowing that kind of thing. And that's something where if you, especially if you have less money or are literally poor, that you don't even think about it.
3: So, why didn't George pay Mostly. his musicians? Is that right? I, I think this was an emotional debt that he was talking about. He signed <laughs> his checks with love and kisses and yeah, came, came back insufficient funds.
0: But what about I'm, I'm curious about what you said about
3: George not paying yeah. his musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, they all left for money reasons for the most part at the end of uh, right after this album. Didn't they? Yeah, but
2: do we know why he didn't pay them? I mean, was it?
3: Probably couldn't afford been. to pay them. I assume. Probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, probably didn't make enough.
2: Um, yeah, I know I, they- I
3: didn't. I didn't dig that deeply. I just know that there was um, there were gripes from most of the band members, and I also read that George doesn't mention it in in the documentary. So I'd, I'd buy it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, mm-hmm. the next track number three is "Hit Hit It and Quit It." I mean, that's pretty much self-explanatory, isn't it? I mean, that's it's
3: about sex, right? Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, pretty funky. <laughs> it's,
3: the very, um, it's, the, it's the sexiest song on the album, Hit It and Quit It. I think. Sounds like, kind of like a James Brown. I think he James Brown says, Can we hit it and quit it? Can okay. we hit it one time and quit? Yeah. I think it's it's a nod to that, right?
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. They're very sparse lyrics. It's only like two or three lines of lyrics, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's got a really good bluesy riff for the opener. Um, I thought like... Lenny Kravitz may be influenced by this song. He might you know I, I think a lot of this influences Lenny Kravitz, the next song too. The keyboard, you know, the it has that legacy of the sixties kind of sound to it, the cream or yardbirds kind of uh, keyboard um, pitch, you know. Yeah. Just a lot of a lot of different um, sounds
3: emanating from all these songs really. You know. Bernie Warrell, I think, on keyboards and Okay. He's- Besides the P-Funk stuff, he's later on, he's touring with the Talking Heads for like the Remain in Light tour, which might be an audio audible. Wanna play a little bit of that? Sure. You can hit it and quit it.
0: Yeah, I really hit that uh, keyboard solo there, but yeah, that's, yeah. I like you it. got the background vocals too going.
4: I want you to hit it, hit it.
0: Okay, let's go. Let's go ahead and take a break right now. Then yeah,
3: might as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think George Clinton was retiring from touring a couple of years ago too.
0: Well, I think that the band, I mean, the influence of that band. I was thinking about this before the show. Remember the Arsenio Hall show? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that the, the, some of the, uh, fashion and everything from that show was kind of inspired by Funkadelic. Probably. Probably. You know, well,
2: yeah. Arsenio was definitely Parliament. a fan.
0: I, I know that he was on there. I know George Clinton was on there. So was Bootsy. Yeah.
2: I remember yeah. that because he was from Cincinnati
0: in living color, you know? Yeah. Uh, those guys
3: are, I'm sure they were fans. You
4: know, oh, yeah. Kind
3: of a, so extrapolate
4: breeders.
3: that. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I was looking up samples of this album, and I think I found there's 28 of them documented on the whatever that webpage that covers samples is. Very few of them are things that I'm familiar with, but uh, for this album, I mean, it's a lot of other George Clinton P-Funk stuff is sampled that's familiar in mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the stuff I know, but Maggot Brain is... Uh, it's own beast, right? As we're jumping back into it, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, they covered. Uh, what did they? Co-
0: they did hire ground, but
3: that wasn't Funkadelic. That's Stevie, that Stevie Wonder. They did they do One Nation Under a Groove or something?
0: Yeah, you can, you can hear it in the, you can hear it in their sound. Though you can hear the the funk in it.
3: <laughs> but uh, hold on,
2: I'm doing the fa- I'm doing the fast tracking. Okay, because you know, didn't really love the album.
0: The next track number four is You and Your Folks, Me and My
3: Folks. Um, they they covered What is Soul? They covered Super Stupid, red hot chili peppers, that is.
4: Okay.
2: Was that um a Nozar uh Funkadelic?
3: Yeah, Super Stupid's actually on this album. Mm.
2: Mm. There you are. They know it's stupid too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, even even so, you said you liked uh, mm. Can You Get To That? yeah yeah you, yeah you said even even mm-hmm. but you didn't like the album uh in total
2: on the yeah on the whole i found it to be a little too discordant triggered your but i i have different music tastes you know i'm a song person not an album person
0: yeah yeah
1: triggered your misophonia <laughs>
2: At least she didn't call it at this
1: time. <laughs> I was just going to say I thought it had a different name than that. What? It's
2: uh, it is uh, it's
1: yeah,
2: Misophonia, That's the actual name of the disorder. Yeah, which is such a stupid name. I yeah. mean, I'm sure it's.
0: Well, I knew I was going to bring it up today.
2: Science wise,
0: I knew I was going to yeah. bring it up today. But when I went, I, I was driving to the store, and I was like, you know what? That probably pisses her off. So I'm, I'm going to say it the correct way. And that way, at least she can't nail me to the cross for that. You know, I'm, I'm actually using the clinical term, not the bastardization. Of, I
2: really appreciate how you make me seem like a real bitch. We
0: shouldn't make, we like we should body not body make body fun body. of health conditions either. No. That's, that's,
2: there is, awful. there is actually treatment for it. So Lisaphonia mean,
0: Lisaphonia Lisa mm-hmm. may be funny as hell, but we really shouldn't bring no, that.
3: um, <laughs> you and your folks, me and my folks. Yeah. That one has a Sly Stone kind of feel to sounds it. Sounds like
4: it, folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: And also the, the music in it sounds kind of like uh, later Lenny Kravitz would sound. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when Lisa told
0: me she thought that this album was dark and angry and violent, I thought of something like this, and I felt like it was kind of a commentary about peace. Mm. You know?
2: Well, I'm not yeah. saying I listen to every song all the way through.
0: Yeah. No, I get it, and, mm-hmm. but you know I,
2: And I've been able to, but it was also when the album was playing. It was um, what's the word I'm going to look for? Loud. Yeah. See, Philip plays it at the uh, volume that he needs to hear it at. So when we're watching TV, I have the volume on the TV set at twenty. He sets it at forty or fifty.
0: I was talking to Nick the other day, so, and, and he's and he agrees with me. It's like you got to be able to hear the hats, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to hear well, everything. I can
2: hear the hats because I did not spend my teenage years on, in, in headphones turned up to the highest volume because my teacher said you got to be able to hear all the notes. I don't think. I can hear.
3: I don't feel like I abused headphones, headphones when I was Yeah, a kid. I, I don't remember Phil having headphones. Yeah.
2: No, he did. Because I- his mom made sure he had headphones when he was listening to his music. I,
0: I did. Use I used headphones sparingly, but it's like you know I, oh, okay. I wouldn't like cancel people out the way I do today with headphones.
2: Right, right. But but you kind of have to because you know let's just say that his hearing's going for because uh, he's old. Then
0: my hearing for, is not that great. That's for sure. No, but I feel like this out this song. Let's play a little bit. You and your folks, <laughs> me and my folks. I
3: The drums and bass in this one are just excellent. Mhm. Yeah. Over the top cool. And we got the call back to can you get to that?
0: Right. That's did the that lyrics. Did that like okay, so free your mind and your ass will follow. That kind of uh was it Destiny's Child that did free your mind and your
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, Vogue. In Vogue. Oh, in Vogue? So, mm.
2: you
0: feel like can you get to that? Um I, don't, I wouldn't say it was, any of it was an attempt by the band, but that that phrase had a probably a, a potential of uh, gaining its own place in pop culture or something, you know?
3: Yeah, it may have may have had a place in pop culture in 1971,
0: you know? Yeah, can you get to that? Yeah, yeah, fifty years ago, fifty-one years ago, right? It seems lost to time though. I don't hear anybody saying that anymore, but um, uh, it's a cool expression, though. Yeah, it is.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But I feel like the song is about taking whatever legacy has been passed on to you, whether you're, you know, whether it's your, your race, whether it's if it's your economic condition, um, whether you're indige- an indigenous person. Um, and uh, that's not baggage. You know, none of that should ever be any, any kind of baggage to whatever your personal plight in life is going to be, and it and to me that's an inspiration, mm-hmm. that's a very optimistic kind of inspirational message for this album, you know, I think that, um, you know, these guys were into psychedelia and stuff, and they weren't drugs. Yeah.
2: One of the, uh, one of the lawsuits, uh, intimates that George Clinton purposely got them hooked on drugs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Whose
3: who's lawsuit's that?
2: I don't have it pulled up anymore.
4: Okay.
3: Interesting. I
2: just typed in "Why didn't George Clinton pay his band?" and a bunch of lawsuits popped up from like 2019, even. You know, hmm. I can do the searching. Oh, add
3: 1972 or something to it. Eh. Uh,
2: oh. Well, I'm I'm redoing the search, and it just takes a while.
3: Well, anytime you know, I don't. I, I I'm a
2: really slow typist. Day. I'm a horrible typist.
3: Can't speak. To move on to this. the next next track. Super stupid. Yeah, super
0: stupid. Um, another good heavy guitar riff on that. Um, I mentioned they're they're advocates of uh, psychedelic drugs, acid. Uh, this seems to be a condemn- condemnation of cocaine to some extent. Some other maybe heavier drugs, heroin things that uh, are okay. killing people. You know?
2: George Clinton accused of making Parliament funkadelic bandmates drug addicts per, according to Bernie Worrell's estate lawsuit.
3: Bernie Worrell, wow, yeah, okay, he like, is in this. He is in this band,
2: yeah.
3: This, this incarnation.
2: Um,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Clinton aspired not just to be uh, a rock star. He he wanted to be sort of a Barry Gordy type producer with all of these. Mm-hmm. All this talent under his umbrella like warrell i guess and hazel and but uh his he, he started a label i forget what uncle i forget what it was called but you know something familial like that that you know the whole idea that him being the, the father figure of this you know organization but uh it fell apart um but You know, that's not to say that maybe he didn't try to implement some mind control over people or manipulate, you know, you know, Uh, you can't speak to his brass or his uh, integrity.
2: Clinton has a history of fraud, deceit and delinquency when it comes to the performance of contracts that he has entered into on behalf of himself or his companies, according to World's Widow. Apparently, he did this despite many band members not wanting drugs and needing money to provide for their families. So he would pay them in drugs instead of cash. And it's kind of, to me, that's similar to that thing where the the venue will let the band drink, you know, but but then, you know, they don't always tell them that it's going to come out of their pay.
3: The Blues Brothers situation. Yeah. Right,
2: right. And But that's... That was of Good old
3: Blues Brothers boys band.
2: Right, and then the whole thing where, um, where they, uh, where the touring band, uh, you know, they charge the the band for the venue, they charge them for the bus, and they don't always make that clear when they make the contract with them.
0: That's interesting. It's a, you know, a sidebar, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, can't and we
2: can stop that now.
0: Can't dismiss the possibility that George uh, was not always. Above board with his his musicians. Financially speaking. But uh, let's play a little Super Stupid because that song kicks ass. Yeah. Again, we got the great guitar solo there. Didn't hear the lyrics, but uh, that's mm-hmm. that's a sh- that's a banger, right? <laughs> a better yes, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. It just seemed like it, it wasn't uh, overly complicated as far as the the meaning of the song or anything. Uh, Audio Slave did a cover of it. We talked about that. Not nearly as good, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. They've got a much different sound on guitar and everything. So imagine they modernized it instead of having that. That sound that this one has.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I do like Audio Slave, but
1: yeah. <clears throat> I do too. I like I, I like Chris Cornell's voice,
0: right? Yeah, me too. Right, and yeah, mm-hmm. actually, we just did a podcast with uh, Jeremy
2: mm-hmm.
0: of the Maniacal Music Musings podcast, uh, where we broke down well,
2: he did. Soundgarden,
0: uh, Static X, and Marilyn Manson albums. And I had really? a really good time doing that, so bad, bad motor finger, right? Bad motor finger, right? Mm-hmm. Love that album, but so you should check that one, that podcast that you know out. It's, it's really good. He he has a lot of other podcasters on that you can you know
3: yeah. catch. Phil, Phil can link to it in the show notes. Right.
2: Didn't you do a uh, one of those, Aaron? Or are you still? I
3: have rid- one. I have one coming up this week. Um, yeah. Phil and I were on one yesterday, a bracket episode about TV theme songs.
2: Which would have been right up my wheelhouse.
3: Well, part two's today. Maybe you can get on that one.
2: Apparently, I gave Philip a bunch of uh, crap about it, and I don't remember doing that. <laughs> no. you.
3: you uh, he asked
0: if mm. all three of us could do separate uh mm episodes of a show and, oh, okay. and you were like oh i don't really care about music too much i don't want to do it
2: well you didn't tell me it was tv movies well, i had no idea
3: like we, I had no we idea. didn't know until yesterday yeah, know. Said, uh-huh. hey i have two slots are you free at uh
2: yeah.
3: eight pacific or 8 yeah. 8 eastern for, for future pacific.
2: reference that is tv scene songs are my wheelhouse that's about it when it comes to music
0: yeah, he'd, you know. he'd love to have. Of course, have I would him, have you know.
2: fought harder for the monkeys, the Flintstones, and Mash. Well,
3: I fought, I fought I for the monkeys, didn't I?
2: And I heard you he he fighting he, for Rock came, and Miles.
3: You can't. Didn't it come down to the monkeys versus Mash? Hmm? Wasn't it Andy Griffiths versus the Simpsons at the end?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, he's but he's I mean, in the
2: bracket. I mean, one, one of, of the brackets. The uh, or one mash? of the
3: brackets. He had to choose monkeys or Mash, I believe.
2: And I, I just feel like that's not a relevant bracket because one is about suicide and the other's about a band just wanting to well, have fun.
3: Well, because they won that, they won the brackets above yeah.
2: Oh, okay. It's
0: like the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. I can't help that.
0: Or the NIT tournament, mm-hmm. I should yeah. say. Yeah, 30, 32.
3: Yeah, 30,
2: 32, 34.
0: Had, um... Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Okay. So we got two tracks to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, next, next one's one of my favorites. Okay. Is it back in our minds? Back in our minds, yeah, yeah. That that weird bell sound with the distortion on it. Mm -hmm. Bing, 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 bing. bing. I can't get enough of that. Could have been
1: on a Ween song, huh? It (laughs) could, yeah, right. I
3: could see, I could see John Fishman doing that too. (laughs) I, I don't know what they do to that sound. I mean, to make that or what that is. Yeah, I can't find out much about this song
2: it's cowbell
3: yeah it's anything that you can't <laughs> uh, uh nail it's cowbell
2: or triangle.
3: So they're doing some kind of like a wah-wah pedal to cowbell <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's hard to say
2: or a triangle
0: i think they get in the studio sometimes and then they'll just look around and they'll just grab something to make some kind of odd hoc noise you know and it gets up it ends up on a record at least they did back in the 70s now it's a lot, a lot more
2: Produced digitized
0: yeah. and are,
3: are you able to play a few seconds of that one? Yes, a, yes. I got cue it. Up.
2: They might be tapping the microphone.
3: it's the zither.
2: It's not a zither.
0: <laughs>
2: and it's not a harmonica. It's that weird little mouth harp thing.
0: Oh, it's Okay. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. do not they Could kind be. of sound like that a little bit?
1: Mm-hmm. Could be with some sort of distortion on it or something.
2: Maybe it's the way they're
3: holding it. Now, they're hitting something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you can hit the mouth harp, you know.
3: But it sounds like it's metallic, yeah. whatever. They are. right,
2: right. The yeah. mouth harp is metal.
3: It kind of reminds me of
0: the Velvet Underground a little bit. Okay. Some of the, the uh-huh. sounds of the horn.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, I think it's a There's clever. There's no, no
3: credit on the album for the horns. I was wondering who was playing those horns.
0: Yeah, if they
2: get huh. credit, he has to pay them. That's
3: true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really, if you look real close, all it says is George Clinton. <laughs> is,
3: this, is this the one with that trom? This is the one with the trombone at the end. Uh, one of these songs had a little bit of trombone going at the end of
0: it. Yeah, it could be. I thought the lyrics were clever. Out of our, mi- it's kind of like a play on the uh, "out of our minds" the "out of our minds" meme or trope. To represent hallucinogenic like disassociation, like we're back in our minds now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it kind of plods along. I have to say, Aaron, it's not one of my favorites from the album,
3: it doesn't uh, have to be,
1: yeah. But you know, what do you think, Nick? Um, it's it's, it's good. I mean, I like so far, I really like this album. So, I'm glad it was introduced to us. Yeah, it was it's a good rock album,
0: you know. I think, yeah. uh they become funkier later. <laughs> you
3: know, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's got it a lot funky, of that, t- But, yeah, it's less... They get funkier as, as Parliament. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Ironically. Right. I mean, it's got a lot of that,
1: that typical 70s guitar, like Hendrix and all the... You know, right. In that era.
0: Yeah, it's it more of a straight rock album than I anticipated when you proposed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. me
3: too. I was expecting uh, probably more like what the... It's kind of part of part of the struggle of this album and this band at the time was, um, there weren't really any all black rock bands. We had mm-hmm. fly and the family stone, but they were multiracial. Right. And, um, probably a few other war is another example that was multiracial, but there wasn't really a, like a black rock band going at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, as we've talked about before, you know, bands were ripping off black artists right and left at this time, you know, the, Led Zeppelin was stealing old blues tracks and stuff and
3: they, you know They so George Clinton went and uh, I think they were, at the, I don't know if they were opening for Vanilla Fudge or somehow watching Vanilla Fudge but they uh, kind of stole a bunch of their tricks and went yeah. to the studio and made some albums. Funkadelics stole Vanilla Fudge's tricks or the other? Way yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, they st- stole a bunch of rock and roll tricks. It's like oh you can do this and this.
0: Yeah <laughs> Well, in the documentary I watched, um, they gave Vanilla Fudge a lot of credit for allowing them to use their, you know, high-tech equipment at the time. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. uh, I I
3: just, I read that Vanilla Fudge was a big influence and that they kind of, you know, that's where they learned their rock licks, sort of.
0: That's interesting. But it's a band that took control of its own destiny and didn't allow themselves to get ripped off, you know. I don't know if they got paid much either. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should say George didn't allow himself to. Get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, all right. So that brings us to the last track here, the uh, "Wars of Armageddon," which that's that's, that's uh, Lisa's least favorite, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, it kind of triggered her a little bit, but it. We began. Mother Earth was pregnant for the third time, and now we got a screaming baby and a guy yelling. <laughs> you <laughs>
0: So a lot going on in that song that uh, you can't really cover unless you play the whole thing.
1: Yeah, they got a lot well, of percussion going on there. More power All to there, the people. Congos and
3: Mhm. More power to the
0: power. <laughs> kind of sound <laughs> kind of sounded oh a little voodoo child, you know, a little um
2: See, now I kind of like voodoo
0: child. Oh, I love that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. I love Hendrix is, and I love uh mm-hmm. uh Stevie Ray Vaughan's
3: version. It's probably my favorite. As long as
2: you fast forward through some of it.
3: Fast forward through some of Voodoo Child? Yeah. Which part?
2: <clears throat> the guitar.
3: So all of it? So all of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say I'd listen to a, you know, yeah.
0: That song's badass.
2: I'd be mistaking that for another song. It's entirely possible. Yeah
4: <laughs>
0: Clinton, you know, I thought I heard Lon Chaney at some point.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That's funny. Yeah.
0: It's like, you know, just things kind of rose to the surface there, the crying baby, the farting sound. I thought that was yeah, it. Yeah. the Farts were cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sense of humor, you know, um, and just great guitar playing again. I mean, he had basically two. Yeah.
3: Cuckoo uh, clock at the perfect time.
0: Yeah. At one point, he, I think he says evolution is a bad, funky person. Yeah.
3: Um, look at that pollution. <laughs> it's a bad, funky person, something like that.
0: Okay. So yeah, I had that wrong. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – if you want to break it down, you know, you probably listen to that ten times and uh, and isolate <clears throat> certain sections of it that really, you know, turn you on a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of their uh,
3: Revolution 9.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it makes it kind of a strange – uh just to have those two link you know super long jams at the beginning and the end mm-hmm. um is is a different configuration than what most uh, artists were doing at the time that you know like they would try to strategically position a jam like that you know like yeah. stairway to heaven you know or something yeah. that's real something you hotel
3: side too with it yeah
0: yeah so um so that 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 either showed that they had tremendous vision, or nobody really was paying attention to what they were doing. They were allowed to do whatever the hell they wanted to, but it turned into a couple great, you know, a couple great songs. Um, they could play those. They could play those by the book at the show, and uh, you know, they sound like live songs, really. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't have be, to be pretty wild to hear "Wars of Armageddon" live. I, I'm gonna try and find one now.
0: Yeah. But they, that's the problem. They can't. Bands can't reproduce what they did right. in the
3: studio. Sometimes They kind of can. They get some of those P Funk lineups get like twelve, fourteen people on stage. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: I think of like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Even as great as that was at uh, at the Live Aid, they did not perform it the way you know. You can't really reproduce what they did in the, in, in right. the yeah. live. Yeah.
2: If if. If Maggot Brain is the album's yin, Wars of Armageddon is its yang. Right from the start, they unfurl a maelstrom, of, a maelstrom of angst, explosions, crying baby, grouchy dad, protesters chanting, all accompanied by a surfeit of cowbell bongos and organ. The tracks, kithonic thrust and swagger foreshadowed Miles Davis. On the corner and Dark Magis. As it turned out, Miles so loved the drumming here that he temporarily stole Fullwood from Clinton. Okay. There you are.
3: And Clinton had um on this album was Ike Turner's backup er, Isaac Hayes' backup singer's Hot Buttered Soul.
0: Okay. So that's the whole album. Now, Aaron, you wanted to introduce a new feature to these episodes and that was
3: is there a track that you would throw out? Whoa. That's true. This will help me for my uh, upcoming episode of that other podcast because I have four of my five. Yeah, if if you could, if you had to cut an out a track off this album, what would it be? Need the Jeopardy theme here.
2: I'm I'm not I'm not weighing I'd,
3: in. Oh, you would cut Wars of Armageddon. You'd cut the one with the crying baby. That's easy for you. Mm, yeah. Um,
2: we have a crying baby. He's I
3: right would here. have to cut.
2: Or thing has COVID.
3: God I might have to cut super stupid as great as that song is wow, yeah, that's tough. it's a tough one. seven songs, yeah I think I'm I think my the the three that I haven't decided between i've I've got uh wars of Armageddon back in our minds can you get to that and maggot brain are are in my top four, and that leaves hit it and quit it you and your folks me and my folks, and super stupid I have to pick one of those three. Thing's gonna be you and your folks get that drum and bass sound in there, that funky, boom. yeah, weird.
0: All right, well, that no, that was not easy, so I'm proud of you. It's,
3: <laughs> it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one.
1: About you, Nick, you got probably
3: a lot of people's favorite song. I just cut probably, yeah.
1: If, if I had to cut any, it would probably be the first one. I mean, even though I, I really liked it. Uh, Man, for 10 a, minutes solo. I could understand. A 10 minutes solo. Yeah. It just, it, it could have been cut in half and would have been good because it, it seemed to repeat itself a lot, which when you have lyrics is one thing, but to have it be like that. Whereas the, the instrumental at the end was more, you know, had a lot more going on and stuff. So, I mean, I, I like the, the, the first one, but, uh, for what it is, I think it was just a little long. And so if I had to cut one, it would probably be that one.
3: Interesting. So you'd cut maggot brain. Lisa mm-hmm. would cut Wars of Armageddon. I would cut super stupid. What's Phil's cut?
0: Oh man, I feel like I don't want to lose you. You know, you're a good co-host and everything. I don't think you'd lose you me. You bring the, you bring the humor. You bring the community. It's, to, it's tough to, tough, tough to pick one. I'd, I'd hate, I hate to Back in our minds, I just, I don't know. There's something about yeah. that. I just, yeah, you know.
2: Is it the yeah. mystery of the weird metal sound?
0: Uh I don't care for the tempo of it. I don't like the plot the kind of a tempo. Mm. I'm not saying it's a terrible song at all. I mean it's a it's a very good song, but but if you gotta make a choice, you know. But mostly it's a tempo that just doesn't speak to me.
3: That would probably be most people's choice actually.
0: You think? I mean it's got it's definitely got its, its uh
3: it's it's been hard to find information on it because I think it's people's least favorite. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of good quality to so. Yeah.
2: I read two like album breakdown review things right there.
4: because mm-hmm.
2: yeah. uh, I was looking for what that sound was. And they just basically they mentioned that it was on the album.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean they said something about every other song. And they yeah. said, and this then there's this song called Back in Our Minds. It's on this too.
0: I saw a Rolling Stone review getting ready for this. And yeah. Back and it, it was contemporaneous with this album that actually ripped it. Ripped it to shreds, but yeah, yeah, there's some particular yeah, yeah. Of Rolling Stone, uh, especially.
2: right? Right, especially back then,
3: yeah. But yeah. I think, whereas we wind down here, a lot of times it has to grow on you, too. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But if you're reviewing a new album, you haven't had time for it to grow on you. Yeah, you gotta listen to <laughs> it three
0: times, you know, at least. My rule of thumb, oh, I
2: became a juggalo
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I still don't like Guar and I never will.
3: Yeah, that's, well, that. Is,
2: yes, yeah, Juggalo, right?
3: Right,
0: yes, I'm, sorry, I'm aware. I mean, to offend you, you
2: keep reminding me that I'm a Juggalo, then you say that's the insane cloud posse, and I'm like, uh huh,
0: well, you wait even
2: though I'm terrified of clowns.
0: You came home so. one time and from you had a great time in Louisville, yeah. with your Louisville people, and and you were like, "I'm a jagalo." I'm
3: like, "Okay." I, <laughs> it surprised me. It surprised
2: me that I liked quite a few of the songs.
3: Yeah. So I don't know much about. And also, them. some a duo, right? Uh,
2: no, it's more than that. <laughs> they they do. It's a the the membership of the band is a little bit fluid, from what I can tell. But it's—I've seen as much as five guys in the clown makeup, and as little as two. So, ask
0: Ask Jeremy about it when you're you know, on because he's—he is a juggalo, also
2: more than me. Yeah. So I'm—I like some songs, person, but I don't sit around listening to music on a daily basis. So, you know, gotcha. Mind what? you, you asked me about the most recent science fiction series I'm reading, and hey, right, I'm all over
3: it. What are you reading?
2: Um. Oh darn it! What's it called? <laughs> um. It's a, a. It's a series about um a waterfall opening up and allowing um two warring species to come to Earth, and uh, you know the the Earthlings get taken to another world as a client species, and you know they have to figure out like which side they should be on, if at all. And um, one of them kind of, he discovers an alien AI, AI from a, a superior race to the two warring races. And uh, that AI helps him like capture a ship. And so now that now uh, Earth has space capability, like wormhole space capability. So
1: that's the title of the book?
2: No.
3: and yeah,
2: that's the title.
3: And, and the author is.
2: hmm Hold on. Well, I'm as we wind down,
0: she looks that up. And as we wind down mm-hmm. here, we should say something about mm-hmm. uh, our Cincinnati uh, compatriot, uh,
2: our connection, Bootsy Collins, mm-hmm.
0: who uh,
2: was a part of Funkadelic.
0: The bassists, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, was with this J- is... James Brown. I'm pretty sure that probably he played with James Brown at King Records and mm-hmm. and uh, over to Rhine, mm-hmm. Pleasant Ridge. Or not Pleasant Ridge, but uh Avondale. Um, so he, he brought up, you know, at, at some point Parliament and Funkadelic merged. They were two separate bands and they became P Funk and Bootsy was integral to that and, be, and it, it, they went off in a different direction at that point. Um I'd like I'd love to have Bootsy Collins on here to at least look into it, see if he could come on. But um, might do he used that. Used to show up at the
1: Bearcat games occasionally. He? Yeah.
0: yeah, he's a big sports fan. Loves the Bengals. Mm-hmm. You
3: know, he's a Cincinnati guy. So yeah. that would that, be that Shag album I was talking about was oh. recorded at Ripley's and the intros by Bootsy. I think he was like the manager or you know producer or something of the band. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, he's getting everybody worked out and he's going, "Everybody, Shag is in the house," and he gets everybody. <laughs> <crying> about- <laughs> You get about ninety seconds of Bootsy banter there in the beer. Tonight's yeah. going to be beer to go, if you know what I'm saying, everybody.
1: Yep. When he would show up at the Bearcat games, he was in his full cost, full yeah, outfit, full, full and, Bootsy gear. Yeah, and they would have, you know, let him come out and say, talk to the fans. Yeah, I
0: bet
3: he'd have some good stories. Yeah. The Beavis and Butthead said about him? I like Bootsy. He's from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: cool. All right. Well, I guess we can mm-hmm. put a wrap on it here. What are you looking up something?
2: Uh, Craig Allenson. Oh, okay. That's the author. Oh, and it's, uh, the series I'm reading is Expeditionary Force. I read another series of his previously. Um, and then I got into this one,
4: All but right. I
2: can't remember. Um, this is kind of like a, a, a different version of Fourth of July. It's called it, the first book is Columbus Day because that's the day they landed on earth when the, the first set of aliens came to earth
0: so our social people's day h mm-hmm. yeah tps right. yeah dash uh dash huh.com our um social media <clears throat> it's all at yeah uh-huh pod um you have to be a friend to see our stuff um so go ahead and reach out to us we'll approve you but um Mm -hmm. Nick, I don't assume you have any projects to plug, or am I wrong? Do not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right.
3: Well, Aaron? Nothing to plug.
2: A a new series he started called Convergence, but there's like a bunch of books of the, uh, you know...
0: What's his name again? The
2: Craig Allenson. Okay. A-L-A-N-S-O-N.
0: He's going to sell about 50 books now, Mm -hmm. just because of that. He's going to get
3: the the That's Y-U-H the bump.
2: And the lead character... The lead characters, the um, the protagonist and the A.I. are really fun.
3: Oh, man. Amazon stock just went up from all the all the orders of this guy's book.
2: <laughs> you know it. Yeah. It's
3: like a slot machine. Yeah. Just spin it.
2: My recommendations. Oh, David Eddings. David Eddings. David Eddings. <laughs> okay.
3: All right, well, guys. author, um, you'll,
2: it, it, His books are hilarious. In fact... Ooh. I didn't, I wasn't sure my dad could read until he read those books.
3: There you have it.
2: Yeah. Because he just didn't read. Mm-hmm.
3: But, but now you know he could.
2: Yep. I did. Turns out he could the whole time.
3: Right. Thanks, guys. This is fun. Yeah. This, yeah, this is fun I,
2: I, I hope. I'm sorry for, uh, we,
3: we put you through the. Oh, it's okay. Wars of Armageddon. <laughs> well, I, might
2: make you, I might make you do a breakdown on the monkeys one day.
1: Hmm. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I
2: won't do that to you.
1: He sounds I'm, enthused about the cross of that one.
2: Monkey's Greatest Hits. Trying hit, to
3: trying figure out if there's a I Monkey know. song I, I haven't heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's possible. Although, they did actually write some original music. And the one thing I do know about them is, if you go in a bathroom and you see Torque on the paper towels mm. or the, the soap, that's Peter Torque. Because and Michael
3: Michael Netsmith's mother invented right. uh White Out. White Out. out.
2: And uh, and that's why the whole band diversified all and of the David Bowie David Bowie supplies.
3: David Bowie took his name because of Davy Jones had his name. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So he just chose Bowie because he liked the Bowie. And,
3: and Jimi Hendrix opened for the monkeys.
0: Well, like, a monkey,
2: that I did not know.
0: A monkey's episode would qualify for album
3: forensics. Okay. That's not Aaron's audio audible. It so. would. Yeah, it would qualify for uh, for an album forensics. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, keep we'll that, you dig into it, find out who the real musicians you watch were. It? On those I,
2: albums. I might just record 15 songs off of uh, the oldie station and make you guys go over those 15 songs. So well,
0: just be, be careful. There might be some songs there. To... It, it might backfire I'm on it. I'm just you. teasing you. Oh, yeah.
2: I'm teasing. I know you guys like all music. I'm the one who's picky. All
0: right, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. See you guys it. later. See you tomorrow, see Nick. You, Nick.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks Bye, for having thank me, Thanks. Bye.
2: I did enjoy it. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, Uh uh-huh pod.
1: Instagram.
2: Yeah, Uh uh-huh pod. Facebook. Yeah, Uh uh-huh pod. Website. -uh www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.